0: And um, I want to look a little bit, if you want to turn in your Bibles this morning to Second Corinthians, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 5. I want to look a little bit at this man, Paul. Uh, I want to see what motivated him. Um, I don't know about you, but I see a great gulf between what Paul, um, not what he had, but what he did uh, and what I'm doing. Um, anybody that'd be honest would have to admit that that's the case anybody that I know probably alive today whether they know it or not would have to admit uh, that Paul's head and shoulders above us in the Christian life uh, running the race uh, I'm far behind in what that man did for Christ um, and he had nothing more, uh, more I should say. He may have had uh, a special office and and things like that. But he had nothing more of God than what we have today. Uh, so um, I just want to take a look and see um, we have some things in common with Paul, and what motivated him should motivate us if we have a common ground. Um, And so I want to just kind of take a look. And in 2 Corinthians, he reveals a little bit uh, of what motivated this man to so lose everything in this world. He said those things that were a positive, those things that the world would say was a gain, I counted but loss uh, for the excellency. And he said, I've suffered the loss of all things. And count it but done, uh that I may win Christ. So what was it that motivated this man, Paul? What got him going? What caused him uh, to live the Christian life the way that he did? Um, and so I want to just take a look at that. He reveals a couple of things in here. And that's a that would be a vast subject to try to, to deal with in its totality. Uh, but in chapter number five, he does reveal three things that I want to look at um, that motivated Paul that gave Paul calls that uh, to go and to do what he did for Christ and there's no different in our day um, so we can find some common ground here now not all of us do what Paul did in his office so I'm not speaking about that not all of us are called to go into all the world um, in the sense of actually physically going to that location and establishing churches and uh, some tarry by the stuff and some go and some so in his office, he had a. Uh, he said, "I magnify mine office, in as much as I am the apostle to the Gentile." And so he did, as uh, one born out of due time, uh, saw the resurrected Lord in its gl- in His glory. And so we know that he did have some special uh, gifts in the transition period between uh, uh, the Gospels and 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 the Book of Romans. You find the Acts of the Apostles, in which uh, they were given great power and um, different things that they. Had so I, I do understand uh, that there was some things Paul had and did that I am not commanded or not expected to do, and that I don't I do not have. Um, I don't have those sign gifts of the apostle. Nope, nobody's being healed by my shadow, uh, and I'm not um, uh, laying uh, hands on people and bringing about healing in their life. Uh, when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part is done away, and so there is a difference to a degree, in the apostle Paul and me and you today, but what we see here in his motivation to serve God is common amongst all of us that are saved. What does what pushed him uh, to do things that seemingly were very drastic? Um, I don't know about you, but a person that denies himself and wants to live holy and wants to be faithful to church and uh, wants to serve God with the fullness of their being is seen really as a radical in our day. It's uh, I, I don't know uh, about you you. But when I first got saved, many people uh, were really trying to do their best to calm you down. It's not that big a deal. You don't have to do all of that. You don't have to go that far. You're taking it too far. Has anybody ever uh, talk, been talked to like that, especially in your family? They don't understand. They they don't see uh, things the way you see them. And so to them, you're a um, Bible thumper. You're a, I don't know all the words out there that they have for people, but uh, they think. Here, like Paul here is going to be uh, uh, been seemingly charged. You know at one point it was said to him said um, much learning has made you mad. Uh, to a lot of people Paul was mad. He was crazy. Who would give up everything uh, and suffer, uh, suffer shipwreck and be beaten and hated and despised in the world. Uh, who would give up the position that he had in, at the community in the community at the time. Who would give all that up uh, just so that they might uh, serve Christ with the fullness of their uh, being and so he, he, he said uh, on down, down through in these verses he said so whether we be beside ourselves it is to God or whether we be sober it is for your sake and uh, so often people uh, would say that he was uh, crazy he was taking it too far uh, I've, I've seen people uh, say uh, that's too radical um, and things like that I, I don't I don't tend to hold to that I don't think you can be too radical for Jesus I don't think you can give up too much for him. I don't think you can live holy enough. I don't think you can give enough to missions. I don't think you can give enough of yourself uh, to the church. I don't think there's uh, any of us that are in danger of being too radical uh, in our day. But it's amazing. Just something as simple as going to church three times a week uh, will get you accused of being radical, being taking things too far, Uh, trying to dress right and look right and talk right and act like a Christian. You. you are taking things too far. Uh, but anyhow, so what motivated Paul to do the things that he did, to live the way that he did, to suffer the loss that he suffered? Uh, what is the difference? Why, Why? Uh, when I just examine myself, what is the difference between uh, what caused Paul uh, to give so much more of himself than maybe what I give in my day? What caused him to be so radical, uh, to be so giving, to be so going, so concerned uh, with a lost and a dying world? How come I am not nearly as concerned? I'm not nearly as giving, not nearly uh, as going as this man was. What is the difference? Did he have, uh, is that because of the special gifts and the office that he had? No, I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that he just found some uh, truths that God manifested to him that we all have, uh, and he held on to them because he believed it by faith. Thank you. The cat Uh, Real Bible faith will cause you to move it'll cause you to act upon what you say that you believe And this was a man that was full of faith and he believed God and uh, he wasn't concerned any longer about uh, The opinion he had divorced himself from the opinions of man and the world and was concerned about being accepted of God And that's what we're going to look at in 2nd Corinthians chapter number 5 now chapter number 4 we follow up on the heels Let me just say Uh, In in chapter number five, I'll go back and look just a little bit at chapter number four. And uh, it gives a great um, glimpse into some other things that I want to look at. Uh, But in verse number five, let me just start off by reading. uh, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so I want to look at just three things and then a couple of points under that. So don't get too nervous. We won't be here that long. Uh, But uh, number one, I want to look at his doubtless security. What motivated Paul to uh, abandon everything in his life and seemingly do uh, what most people would say was crazy? What most people would say uh, was not wise to do? What caused him to do that? Uh, What causes a missionary to give up a great paying job and and the security of benefits and all of those things and, and go to a foreign mission? field and live on very little uh, and really seemingly in the world's eyes accomplish very little uh, uh, but uh, what causes men to do that and what should urge us and encourage us to do so and so I want to look number one at his doubtless security that ought to be the same thing that motivates me and you to serve God ought to be the fact that we have a doubtless security and so look now and you see why did he dissolve why did he um, divorce himself and why did he um, uh, completely abandon himself of the cares and the affections of this life and set his affections on things above uh, what caused him not to be so concerned with laying up treasures down here and you'll go on to see if you look back in chapter number four you'll see uh, some things that kind of give a, a hint to this as he comes into chapter number five and talking about his preaching uh, talking about dying to himself uh, being delivered unto death, that the life of Christ might be made manifest in his mortal body. Uh, but then he's, you see down to the end of chapter number four, he said, Though our outward man perish, the inward is renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So what, number one, what motivated Paul to uh, live the Christian life to the degree that he did, uh, was the fact that he knew that this life was temporal. Uh, what is seen is temporal. What is eternal is unseen. And so he wasn't nearly as concerned uh, with uh, his 401k as he was uh, laying up treasures in heaven. He wasn't nearly concerned about the things that he could see down here. Uh, his his uh, um, wealth, his, his health even to a degree. Uh, because he knew that some two certain things for sure... Uh, that motivated him not to worry as much about this life as other people do. We spend so much time worrying about. Uh, I've seen people, and the Bible says that uh, bodily exercise profiteth little, uh, but I see people give more of their time and themselves to taking care of this body that's going to dissolve anyway than they do worrying about laying up treasures in heaven in eternity. This is a temporal matter. It seems like when you're a child uh, that it's a long ways away. But some of you now can look back and it seemed like, Brother Reed, probably yesterday you were in school. You were a little child. And and, uh, before long, you know, our life is but a vapor. We live here, you know, if you're blessed and live, say, 90 years, that's a short time compared to eternity. So we should be concerned uh, less about the temporal and the things that are seen, and more concerned concerned about the eternal. And Paul starts out, chapter number five, with what motivates him to uh, uh, to uh, to uh, to, uh, distance himself from this worldly goods and worldly pleasures, and uh, living for God the way that he did was the fact that he knew no matter what befell him. Uh, Some people, and I want to say this just especially with this virus uh, going around the way that it has. I'm not um, advocating that we be ignorant of doing things. If you're sick, please stay a minimum of six feet away from me. Okay, don't come up and hug me. I'd appreciate if you just kept that all to yourself. Uh, I'm not saying we'd be ignorant and we'd just go out and put ourselves in dangerous situations. But I have seen people during this time, their hearts are gripped with fear. Uh, and their emotions, their spiritual state is completely controlled uh, by a fear of maybe getting this thing. And, and I understand that nobody in here wants a virus of any kind. I don't know about you. I don't even like the flu. I don't want to get a fever. I don't want to get sick. I don't want any kind of virus. And I'm not going to put myself in a position purposefully to get one. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm not going to let my life and my, uh, my, uh, my living for God and my emotions uh, to be so controlled by and gripped by fear of what might happen to me. We're going to die one way or the other. You're just prolonging the inevitable. Right? You're going to die. You're headed to the grave so you can you can try your best and I've seen people I want to live a long life and I want to enjoy life and so they'll eat you know like a cow and they'll eat everything that's green and stay away from things that are supposed to be unhealthy and eat vitamins and go on diets and exercise and and spend I mean just countless numbers of hours in a week caring for a body that's going to the dust anyway and I'm for it I need to do some more bodily exercise it does have some profit in it uh, but what I'm saying is you we cannot be gripped and controlled by fear and caring for a body that's going to be dissolved anyway Paul said this much I know one thing that didn't bother me to put myself into compromising situations that might put me in a place where I might get hurt physically or or actually lose my life he said one thing that I just kept me motivated and continuing to do what I knew was right to do was the fact that even if I I do die if the earthly house of this tabernacle was dissolved and I go away and I die and from the dust uh, I've come out and to the dust I'll return naked came I into this world and naked will I leave it and this much I know though I'm going to have a new body uh, that's fashioned like another one like Jesus is a body that'll never feel pain any longer a body that'll never experience sin it will never experience pain and anguish and I don't know about you, but um, he goes on to even say, we are desiring to be clothed upon with this kind of body. Uh, I don't know about you, and I'm just 37 years old. I'm a young man. But I am seeing the more and more I live every day, Brother Crabtree, the more I want to be clothed upon with a different body. Uh, Don't you? you, You'd say amen to that if you had mine, Tyler. You had one look like mine, you'd amen me on that. But uh, uh, I don't know about you, Brother Reed. You think about that foot that hurts you all the time. And, and, and there's just something in you that just groans to be delivered of this uh, this body that's going to the grave. A body that's subject to uh, to take on a virus. A body that's subject to, uh, to be d- uh, pulled away at lustful things that you know are not right. A, a, bo- a body with a mouth that's liable to say things it should never say. But a body that is going back to the dust. And one thing that motivated Paul and I hope it motivates and helps you and encourages you this morning, is that no matter what happens to you, if you're saved, I don't care what you've done as a Christian or where you've been as a Christian. There are two promises in these first few verses that are to every child of God that is in here this morning. And that is the fact that you will have a new body in eternity. You will be be clothed upon with a new body that will never suffer and ache and hurt and disappoint. I don't know about you, but I want to be delivered of this body of death. I want to be out of a body that has to constantly fight against itself to stay right with God. A battle every day of your life to try to stay spiritual and try to stay holy and try to live for Jesus. It's a battle every single day to drag this rotten corpse uh, up out of bed and make him pray and make him read his Bible. It's a battle every day. And one day I know this much and encourages me to keep on going and doing for God is there is coming a day and it may be soon that this young 37 year old preacher is going to have a new body that will never have to battle and wake up every morning and drag himself up out of bed and make him glorify Jesus. He'll have a body that is ready to bring glory to the Lamb of God for all of eternity. And I look forward to that day. And what motivates me, it motivated Paul, and I'm praying it motivates you this morning is to remember that no matter what befalls us in this life, we are going to a place in which we will have bodies that will never fail God again, never fail your Savior again, never have to deal with the pain of somebody you love hurting you again. If there's no sin and nothing that defiles up there, then you'll never have to experience being betrayed, never have to experience being hurt, being sick, all of those things that the curse has brought to the world and our fallen bodies bring about the trouble that's in the world all of that will fade away and be gone and every single one of us will have new bodies that will live right and do right and talk right and act right I'm telling you absolutely a glorious time when we get to eternity and we don't have to deal with these bodies anymore. And that motivated Paul. He said, what got, what gets me going? What, what helps motivate me to live this short vapor life that I've been given, to live that to the fullest extent to God that I can live it, is the fact that there's coming a day I will have a new body. So that, and number one, his doubtless security. There's a groaning to be clothed. This we know that if this house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan and earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Hallelujah for that. I don't know about you Christian this morning. But there's not a whole lot more. There is something when, when you got saved, when I got saved, there is something that God put in us just pulling us towards heaven. There, there is just something in us now that just desires to be in eternity with our Father. And it ought to motivate us to continue to serve God in the face of adversity. In a time when really Christian the Christian church is really very lukewarm. Uh, at least somebody that's cold can feel and know that they need warmed. Uh, we're so bad in our day. We're not hot nor cold. We uh, lukewarm water's good for nothing but carrying disease. I mean, at least cold water you can, it's refreshing God can use cold water uh, hot water can be used hot water uh, but uh, we're lukewarm and in a time when it seems like things are indifferent and people are indifferent uh, you and I can live for God because there's a promise made to every person that we shall not all sleep but this much is a fact we shall all be changed all of us will be changed In the moment, in the twinkle, not the blink, a twinkle of an eye. Isn't that something? You're going to have a new body. Just think of that. I mean, brother, it motivates me just to know that I won't have to deal with, I don't know about you, but it seems like the second half of your life is dealt more time going to the doctors. You thank God for a good feeling day when uh, used to it was very rare that you didn't have a good feeling day now it's very rare that you have a good feeling day when your body feels like getting up and doing anything uh, these bodies are going back to the dust. Uh, there, are these mortal, sinful flesh that you and I are living in is going to be dissolved. It's going to the dust. It's going to be gone, and God's going to give us a new body. It may be a bloodless body. A body. The life of the flesh now is in the blood. Uh, I don't know. I think often about that. If we have a body fashioned like unto His, uh, His bloody blood was shed on Calvary, uh, and so I don't think the life any longer. Uh, Uh, His body his flesh that he inhabits now is being sustained by blood So I don't know it'd be an interesting body. What will it look like? Will I be white or olive colored like a Jew like him what I I don't know It's wonderful to think about but this much I know for a wonderful truth is that it will be a glorious body Is that not what he said when mortality shall put on immortality Uh, a body that's never going to die That ought to encourage you some said so you know what he said this light affliction this is just but for a moment is working for us a what did he say in that line? a far exceeding far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory And so I hope that motivates you encourages you to keep going. God, there is two promises found here in his doubtless security. There's much more. I'm just talking about what's listed here in chapter number five. And so he had a groaning in himself, desiring to be clothed upon. If so, that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Four, uh, verse number four, there is, uh, well, let me read verse number four. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothe the palm that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And verse number five, you see a great confidence excuse me a groaning to be clothed and then you see his great confidence in verses 5 through 7 and his second uh, guarantee his second promise that kept him going for God when he felt like giving up when he fa- I'm talking about what is going to keep you going in these days what's going to motivate you and keep you going in the face of so much that's working against you there is never been in some ways such great opposition uh, to Christians than there is in our day today uh, there is so much much, that so many devices, so many things that are used to pull you and occupy you and keep you from living for God. There is so much coming at you in these days. I have to say that it may be to a larger degree than it's ever been. Uh, But he said one thing was that I was going to have a new body and be clothed upon, and then I had great confidence in in, in the second point in verse number five. Now he that wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also have given us the earnest of the Spirit, which we know uh, is just the down payment. That means there's more to come. And uh, what that more to come is, is the presence of God Almighty Himself. Our faith will be turned into sight, and it's the presence of His Lord. Verse number six, therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And so you see the next part of this, his great confidence that he had. He desired to be clothed upon. He had a groaning to be clothed and and to be in heaven and to have a new body. Uh, But then he had a great confidence of knowing this much. And this is for a fact. I don't care how you feel like you failed God. I don't care how uh, many times you failed as a Christian. I don't care if you end up with zero rewards after the judgment seat. This much is promised to everybody, even the biggest failures in the building this morning is that the fact that you will be in the presence of Almighty God for all of eternity if you're born again. If you are saved, you will have a new body. If you are born again, you will be in the presence of a loving, kind, generous, all-powerful, all-knowing, glorious, wonderful King, the King eternal, immortal, and the only wise God, the, only, the potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You will be in His very presence just as I am standing here now Your eyes shall behold him that that is pierced on your behalf. We'll see him one day in eternity. And that motivated Paul to keep on going against all odds when nobody would stand with him and everybody forsook him. He said, the Lord stood with me and there's coming a day I know this much. If nobody appreciates what I did here, if I never get recognized for what I've done for Jesus down here, there's coming a day when my glorious Savior, I'll stand in the presence of Almighty God. I've been given the earnest of the inheritance. The Spirit of God has been given to me as an earnest as a down payment, but there's the totality of it is to come. Uh, I am going to stand in my eyes. Is that not what Job said? And he said, though the skin worms destroy this flesh, though they though they devour this body in my flesh, I shall see God. <laughs> His feet shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And so what motivated Paul to keep living for God and to do all the every day that he got up, he had to keep in mind that it wasn't always going to be this way. He wasn't always going to carry about in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He wasn't always going to de- be delivered unto death uh, that the life of Christ be magnified in his body. He wasn't always going to have to experience all the pain that comes along with a fallen world, a spouse that fails you, a, a mother, daddy that, that, that didn't raise you right, uh, kids that uh, are living contrary to everything you taught them. Uh, all the pain that comes along with sin uh, in the lives of people and in our own hearts will be gone one day and we're going to a land where there's Miss Rosie never going to be sin ever again. We'll never have to experience any of the pain that comes along with sin because we'll be in the presence of Jesus for all of eternity. Now that ought to motivate us and get us going a little bit. We need some get up in our Christian walk. We need something to motivate us to get up and get going. He said it's high time that we awake up out of sleep. We have been asleep uh, for so long we've not even realized it. And it's time seeing our end coming we need to remember some things. And one thing, two things we need to remember is we're going to be in the presence of Jesus and that we are going to be delivered from this earthly mortal body and I thank God for that. He had, Paul had that great war in himself fighting man, them two dogs inside of him fighting and he said I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord brother Nelson one day he's going to deliver me from this mortal body. From this, this body that I, I don't know about you it's, it's subject to it's subject to fail God at any moment it's subject to Uh, our minds even, our minds even are subject to think things that are not so, and our minds are just such a battleground anymore where uh, it seems like sometimes you're going crazy and your mind is attacked by the enemy, and thoughts come that you never uh, wanted to be there and and you never asked for, and uh, just all kinds of things that you and I have to battle and face every single day. The burden will be lifted one day, Christian. it, It may seem Like it's going on forever and you're never going to be delivered of it and those people that have you burdened down in this life that you pray all of those things are going to come to pass one day and all the burdens are going to be lifted. All the cares and the affections of this life all of that will be lifted. We'll have after he wipes the tears away from our eyes. I don't think we'll have another single memory. How could it be such a wonderful eternity to remember all the times you failed God? I don't know about you folks, but I'm, I'm haunted nearly every day of just my failures day in and day out of what I'm not for Jesus. I don't know about you but it just every day you just feel like you just accomplishing nothing for God and you feel like this and all of those things one day all the all the sins that you committed that are under the blood and that is now you you remember them and they're, they're brought up to your mind or somebody talks that you went to school with they'll bring up something that you did and remind you of things you used to be and used to say and used to do and, and all of that one day is going to be gone there's not, not even sin in it's presence. Brother Nathan will be there Not even the memory of those things Will be there any longer We still live with the memory of it I've, I've forgiven people Now uh, that I love dearly I've forgiven them for how they've sinned But I've never forgotten it It's still there it, it doesn't, If you've really forgiven it It doesn't affect you You don't hold it against them anymore You just let it go But, but the memory of it is there you know what they did. You know what they said. You know how they acted. You know uh, what they have done. But there's coming a day when you can actually be able to shed all of the memories, not only of your sins, but of those that you love dearly that have hurt you deeply. All of the memories of those things. I'm telling you, this. We, you and me are headed for a glorious time. I meant to get on into something a little bit more I hope you're saved this morning. I hope you've got that in your heart. That's what I'm saying I don't know when people get gripped. I mean my heart was taken a little by fear I mean, especially if you watch the news uh, With all this stuff going on and, and if you're not careful before long you'll forget that God's in control of all this God's still on the throne And uh, despite what trump does it's not gonna matter brother phillips god's in control of the thing and uh and so we're going to be all right, but you and me are headed. And I don't know how people, if you're unsaved, I don't know how you're making it. I don't know how every day you're making it without the Lord being there and being your substance and your hope and, and looking forward to, ah, hey folks, I hope this isn't the best that there is. Surely to goodness, there's something more than this painful life that we're living. Something, there's got to be something more than just a man is born into this world and that lives the way that we all have lived and then dies and that's the end. Of, there's got to be something more beyond, something greater, something far beyond what's here. <laughs> and I'm telling you, if you're not saved, I pray, you, I pray you'd get saved and get serious about your soul. The, uh, you don't know the, um, the darkness that God gets a person through just based on these precious promises we have. Just knowing one day I'm going to see him. One day I'm not going to have this body any longer. is enough to keep me going today anyway. Now tomorrow may be different. May need a little something, some more help, Brother Courier, to get through tomorrow. But today, today, the Lord's helped me to remember in these verses I've got a new body coming. And I've got the presence of the Lord that's been promised to me. And I'm telling you, if you're saying, I, I don't, I'm not just saying this to give excuse to anybody to, to sin or to fail. But i say this without reservation at all. This shouldn't give excuse for anybody to live in a sinful way. But this is in spite of how you've lived, these promises will come true. It won't matter how great a Christian or less of a Christian or whatever. These are promises to every person that's ever been saved. They're going to have a new body, and they'll get to live with Jesus. Now, if that motivates you to go out and sin, you ain't saved anyhow. But to us that are saved and born again, it's comforting to know that even though I fail him every single day, there are some promises he's made that are not hinged upon my righteousness at all. He bought and paid for this, and this is coming whether uh, you and I, no matter what we do. Now it'll affect greatly how how quick we're taken out of this world, and it's going to be the next point here that ought to motivate us even more. But number one, I just wanted to look at the doubtless security. So I hope that motivates you. I hope that encourages you to. And 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 not only I, I got to move on. I'm rambling some with this, but. I was thinking about this, Brother Lance. Not only the fulfillment of those promises encourages me and motivates me to want to continue to, to get, stay right with God and do the best I can, all those things. But just the fact that God would make promises and fulfill them to a person like me. I mean, it will be wonderful to have a new body, but I'd love him if he didn't give me one. I mean, that's fine. I wouldn't float up there like ghosts for all I care. I just want to be there. Uh, I, I I was thinking the other day, he was talking to somebody about those mansions. I don't know that I'm promised one. I'll, I'll be a pauper up there. I'll be in a cardboard box down on um, Lonely Christian Street, I guess. I, I don't know if I'll be getting a mansion. Uh, but uh, I don't know that we're promised any. But if they're there, great. I, I hope to have one. That's that would be fine. But just the fact, even if he didn't fulfill, even if there wasn't the promise of a new body and all those things, Just the fact that God would love me enough to say, in spite of you, in spite of what you are, in in spite of the failure that you feel like you are, in spite of all of those things, because of the righteousness of my son, because of him, because for Christ's sake, I'm going to forgive you and let you have the promises that are found in this book. It astounds me. It astounds me beyond all recognition just that God would ever uh, make promises and love people like me and you. that's something that's going to motivate him later on. I'm getting ahead of myself. But n- uh, number one uh, we see that his doubtless security. And number two we see the dreaded judgment seat. I don't know about you but if there would be anything that a motivated a Christian to live right in this day it ought to be the fact that we're going to appear before our Savior one day. These, these wonderful securities, Taylor, that he's promised, these precious promises encouraged him to keep on going that there was a coming a, a Dave and he was going to be able to all those things that we see in the first few verses. But then there was another fact that motivated him. He knew this much and it, it persuaded him and motivated him to, to, to persuade others as well. Was the fact that we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And what motivated him not to just live for himself and to do things for himself. If you notice that in these verses, can I I read this? We see his going calls. What caused him to deny himself? What caused him to be concerned with other people? Not just lost people. Not just lost people. He he was concerned with Christians. He, He wanted to see his fellow brothers stand perfect in the Lord. Is that not what he said? He, he wanted to see people saved, yes, but he wanted to see fellow Christians. He, if he was in here this morning, he'd want to see every one of you that are saved be the best Christian you can possibly be. His desire wouldn't be to be better than you. In fact, he said, if you have to stand on me to get there, then I'll gladly be your doormat. Now, I made those words, okay? He didn't say that. But that's basically what he said. He said, if it cost me everything that you might be more like Christ, then so be it. What caused him to be that way? What caused him to love others that way and to love his fellow brethren and to love his Christian uh, brothers and sisters in Christ? Was the fact that every single one of you are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now that gives some dread in my heart, Brother Nathan, when I think about myself standing there. The time that I'm going to have to give an account for that's been wasted. The the things that I've said, words that are on my tongue that I never even said but I thought them. I'm going to have to give an account for a whole lot of deeds done in this body. My motivation and what I was doing even will be tried. Not just a fact of what I did, Hunter, why I did it will be manifested by that fire. Now that brings some dread in my heart. The things that I've done and said, places I've been, even since I've been saved, ought to bring, ought to bring some real terror into all of our hearts, knowing that I'm going to have to give an account to him that gave his life, that gave everything he had so that I could live, to give an account for what, the life that, what I did with the life that he died for to purchase, That that, puts, that motivates me to want to be a better Christian because I don't want to have to stand up there and give an account of all that mess. But there was something else that motivated him. It was more than just the fact that I, there's a judgment seat and I'm going and my works will be tried by fire. He said it motivated me to do what I could for everybody else because they were going to have to stand there too one day. Now that's some love. That's some love not for him to only have to consider himself and keep himself right so that he don't have to stand at the judgment seat, the great bema seat and stand before Christ and answer for everything that he's done in his own body. But for him to consider the fact that I'm going to stand there and he didn't want to see me stand there open before my Lord standing in a heap of ashes with nothing that's come out the other side of that fire. He wanted to see me. That, 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 that shames me even more to think of the love. Let's read we see is going cause. Read verse number 7. We want by faith and not by sight. Verse number 8. We're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. What a great verse. His life's goal, no matter what he was doing one way or another. If men didn't accept it, that was pitiful, but that was going to be what it was. But he wanted to be accepted of him. What a great motivation. But verse number 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore, this is in verse number 11, this is what caused him to Knowing this, so just follow this logically with me. So here's this great truth that's been revealed to him. That Christians, there's a great white throne judgment for the lost. And then there's the judgment seat for the Christian. And so he knows this, God's revealed it to him. That all Christians, purple, green, black and white, rich and poor. It doesn't matter who they are, where they've been, or even what denomination they're of. If they're born again by the grace of Almighty God, they're going to stand before Jesus one day and answer for the deeds that have been done in their body and receive them, where they be good or whether they be bad. And he said, knowing that then, not only does that give the obvious, but verse number 11, knowing therefore then the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So it moved beyond myself. It went beyond when I, when I realized, when I really, it laid, when judgment is really set before my eyeballs the way that it should be. I don't think of just myself standing there in judgment. There's two different groups of people that came to Paul's mind when he thought of judgment. That's his fellow brother and the dead sinner. He said, what motivated him and got him to go and got him to tell and persuade men and to quit wasting his time and everything in this world that is never going to matter. And in fact, it's just going to hurt me when I get to the judgment seat. What turned his attention from things that were never going to matter, that were seen and temporal to the unseen and the eternal was the fact that every single one of his brothers and sisters in Christ, were going to stand before the judgment seed of Christ and you know I have never thought about those verses in that way it has always just taken a selfish view with me it's always been well I better get doing what I'm supposed to do because I'm going to meet God with this one day that's been generally my thinking when I think of those verses and that's true but it ought to, ought to give a secondary motivation that I better do all I can for my brothers and my sisters. I better do everything I can for Brother Goldstein. I better do everything I can for Brother Billy. I better do everything I can for Tyler. Everything I can do for my fellow brothers because they're going to the same judgment I'm going to. And I don't want to see them stand there before God in a heap of ashes. I want to do all I can do to see them uh, be able to say when they enter in, uh, welcome thou good and faithful servant. And that has just been something that when I start thinking now that's uh, different from most of our thinking is selfish and sometimes we don't even mean to be that way. But uh, the fact that this man when he looked at the judgment seat, it motivated him, therefore I better persuade men. And, you, and some people get so offended, and I, I'm going to wrap things up here. i so one more point here. But some people get so offended when people preach against sin and things like that. And I've seen our young people, I've seen us lose a whole generation for various reasons. Uh, But most of it's been they don't like hard preaching. They don't want to be told what to wear and where to go and what to say. And they don't like somebody getting up there and exposing it and preaching hard and all that. And they kind of generally want the flesh likes those kinds of things. But how can you blame a person when they look at the judgment seat and they know you're saved and you're living in a manner that is unbecoming of a Christian and is not a way you should live? Uh, how can it upset you that a, that a person would want to try to persuade you to do better? Is that not what it said? You are spiritual. Restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Considering yourself. that you also be tempted. Why does it upset people when somebody at least loves them? Enough and they, hey, they may be wrong. They maybe have totally misjudged what I've done. And they may have heard it wrong uh, from the person that, that blabbed about it. But blab's not a word, is it? I made that up. That uh, 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 whatever. That told it. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I can at least appreciate somebody that loves me enough to try to correct me. They think I'm wrong. And they don't want to see me going wrong. Don't Don't ever let preaching get to you to the point where you just feel... Like uh, and you take it uh, so personally and so hurtful. Uh, It's preaching is meant to try. I I believe, brother, I was talking to this morning. I like hard preaching because I need it. I need somebody to preach the devil out of me. Don't take too long. I'll be I'll be as backslid as a goat. I need somebody to preach it to me. Preach it straight to me. I, I don't care how, I don't care what you think I'm guilty of or what you think I'm not guilty of. I don't care. Just open the Bible and preach because I'm subject to do it if you don't preach to me. And so it ought to motivate us to live for the Lord to see that we are going to be. Given a new body will be in the presence of the Lord delivered from all of this. But also the fact that we're going to the judgment seat. And it ought to motivate us in our Christian walk. But also to give ourselves for others. And that's what he said. If you go back again chapter 4 helps so much bring some of this out. We preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord. And here's what Paul saw himself. I am a servant for Jesus' sake. I am your servant. Ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. And so it ought to motivate us because others are going to the judgment seat. So wherefore we labor, we might be accepted of Him. We must all uh, appear. Verse number 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance And not in heart. And I wish I had time to deal with that. uh, But I don't. So we see the going cause. This judgment seat. Uh, uh, We see uh, that he is looking at his doubtless security. The dreaded judgment seat. uh, In verse number. uh, For whether we be beside ourselves. Let me just read these uh, quickly. And I'll get to the last point. For whether we be beside ourselves it is to God. Or whether we be sober it is for your cause. And then we get into verse number 14. And I want to take a look at um, just this last point when he looks not only at his doubtless security, the dreaded judgment seat, but then he looks at dead sinners. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. So if you ask Paul, Paul, what motivated you to live such a successful Christian life? Well, the first two points, but then this last point was probably the most greatest motivating factor, and I'm done. Uh, we'll come back. We may need to just come back here tonight, but just as you go home today, maybe think of this last point, and we'll finish this chapter up maybe tonight. But he said, "For the love of Christ constraineth us," and so we'll, we'll probably we'll come back tonight and we'll deal with the remainder of these verses. Uh, but uh, it motivated him not just to live right for himself and his concern for his brother. Uh, but his concerned for dead sinners. Uh, and he said, what motivated me, what caused me to want to go and preach and, and give Bible tracts out and try to win people to the Lord, and what motivated me to do that was the love of Christ which constraineth us. And so when we come back tonight, we'll look at the, there's some other places in the Bible that this word is translated. And if I get into it, we got to turn to some other verses. And uh, I don't want to uh, upset the hungry. Uh, this morning, but uh, uh, no, I'm kidding. We'll come back tonight and look at what motivated this great Christian to want to reach sinners. Folks, we I don't know about you. I, I am uh, troubled at my lack of concern sometimes for other people. I, I don't have near the concern for saved people or lost people that I feel like this man had. And so I'm just praying God will burn these verses into my heart, motivate me more to do more. Um, Not just so that I can have some great rewards when I get to heaven. um, But wouldn't it be a a wonderful thing to do all that I could to see you get some great rewards when you get there? Uh, man that would be a wonderful thing would and that's what motivated uh Paul the the doubtless security the dreaded judgment seat and then when he looked at dead sinners he was motivated to reach them with the gospel because the love of Christ constraineth us it it is uh when i considered this fact and i'm done this morning but when i consider the fact that it kind of seems Like it's wrong you would think if he died for all then none of us would have to die But it's not what it says. We thus judge that if he died for all then we're all dead And so there's a reason that that's that that's said that way uh, To rescue those dead life itself uh, Had to be so anyway, we'll look at that But I, I hope that motivates you a little bit to continue on living for the Lord and and do more for Jesus to try to help your brothers and sisters in this day to stand right yourself but then to also consider sinners that are out here in this world that are dying left and right. The Bible says hell's enlarged itself. And I want to make an appeal as well to you if you're not saved this morning, maybe God's dealt with you and convicted your heart about salvation. I pray that you'd come forward and let the Lord save you this morning. It's a a wonderful, joyful life to live and be a Christian. And um, there's a lot to look forward to for the saint. New bodies. I'd like to have one that was built a little bit better than this. One that could sustain. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I, um, I, I just see myself weaker and weaker the more I go on. Our minds can't handle, our bodies can't take things. We think that they, it's just a, these bodies are a mess. They're going back to the dust. And if you're a Christian... You've got a great hope laid before you. But if you're not saved, I'm going to pray. We'll have a song. You come forward as well. If you're a Christian, you need to come. You come also. But if you're not saved and God's dealt with you this morning, I want you to come. Because the same promises don't lay true for you. Where I'll have eternal bliss and glory and a new body, you're going to the place the Bible says, The fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, darkness and fire and pain and anguish for all eternity. And if you reject Jesus, that's where you deserve to be. But if you want to be saved, and you come on down here and let the Lord save you, and he'll deliver you from your sins. Lord, we love you. Thank you for saving us that are saved this morning. I pray for those who may be lost, that you'd help them to come to the saving knowledge of the truth, and that repentance would be granted to the acknowledgment of the truth. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet if you would. What number, Brother Reed? 344. 344. Sing along with Brother Reed. And if you need to come, you come.